is funded by viewers like you. Support our independent journalism at patreon.com forward slash narrative. a little bit to, to talk about January 6th, the the, the uh, insurrection, because it does tie into this. Because that whole thing, to me, again, smells a little bit like there's a Russian piece of that in terms of the QAnon thing we've discussed before, but also in terms of the amount of GOP congressmen and senators and women um, who are, you know, seem to be they're beholden to the Russians somehow, maybe because they're, you know, building aluminium plants in, in Kentucky or what have you. But there is a, you know, they've all seemed to be, you know, getting money off the Russians or getting support out of the Russians that were there almost not only encouraging the insurrection on the first hand, but also suppressing any response to it. Um, you know, how concerned should we be about the fact that this Russian infiltration goes far deeper and far wider than anyone has ever said publicly? This is, this is one of my concerns is that we've been so understandably focused on the Oval Office that we're missing um, what's happening at, at lower levels with our elected officials and legislators. And I, and I, and I think it's pervasive. And I, I think there's money coming in there. I, the only way I can explain the behavior of some of these senators and, and Congress members is compromise. Um, it's, the, it's the only, I mean, you, you know, the, the desire to stay in power and ego, yes, it's there. And self, get reelected, of course, yes. But at some point, You've got to understand there's something else going on here. And, yeah. and it's, it's but in some cases, hopefully only a small handful, I, I believe there's compromise. And whether, whether there's money that came through NRA that was Russian and they know, they know where the money came from um, to help fund campaigns, um, whatever the hell happened on July 4th a couple of years ago when they all went, yep. went over there, I, I, I don't know. Yeah. Yep. And, and so uh, in... I, I, in an attempt to try and, again, educate the public as to the, the pervasiveness of the threat, even before Donald Trump, where foreign intelligence services are targeting our elected officials, I tell the story in my book as assistant director at counterintelligence, where I had to sit across a table from a sitting member of Congress at the time and tell that member that I knew that a foreign intelligence service considered them to be an asset, a snitch. Um, and that's how they were treating him. And he had to stop doing what he was doing. And um, I, I did that too. Uh, again, in the book, yeah. I did that in a, I did that with a minor candidate for president and told oh, wow. them, we know, we know that you are actively engaged clandestinely with foreign intelligence service officers. So that's so comforting, people, that's comforting that people, you did that. <laughs> it's not, it's not comforting because the point of me including it in the book mm. is that this isn't just Trump. Right. This yeah. is this right. is, this happened this happened before Trump and it'll be happening after Trump and it's at all levels of our government. I was gonna say, here's what I love about your book and what I think the need is, as basic as it might feel to all of to, to, to sort of us and even our audience who's like, yes, we know we've been hearing this for years now. I do think it's still required to set down these building blocks, uh, blocks of learning um, and teaching of your expertise so that Americans can get it. 
because the American mindset is not to think about the world this way. It sounds nuts to them to hear that maybe one of their elected leaders is being rubbed all rubbed up all over, sometimes literally, by a foreign intelligence service. It, it doesn't <laughs> feel real to Americans, and they don't understand the threat. Yep, it's, it's precisely what you said several minutes ago about the the, la the the classification and secrecy around some counterintelligence work is part of was part of the problem um and yeah. and and you're right you know um i publicly a uh, a former colleague of mine andy mccabe who who was acting fbi director at one point and is now with cnn he actually said on the air uh, something like i don't want to quote him but something like and there was more with regard to the opening of the trump investigation and there was more information that cannot be disclosed, right? Mm. Okay, right. okay, and I'm, I'm certain that's right. And maybe it's the stuff that you had on Wednesday, right? Yeah. But, but why not? Why? You know, I think that's the question you're asking, LB. At some point, when the nation's security is is that at risk, why not? And and will someday that be declassified and shared? I don't know. I think we should push for it because I, I, Greg and I did a whole series, um, Tinker Taylor, Mobster Trump, and um, the <laughs> Give Me Secrecy and Give Me Death, right? And the yeah. secrecy one was really important to me because we're in that we crossed the Rubicon with that former president, with Trump, in that the, the entire apparatus of intelligence and secrecy, what it was, what that secrecy was a tool for and why it was so important and why it's so coveted and why it's so deeply part of that culture is to protect us from something like the ultimate threat, which would be a foreign intelligence student uh, service installing their, our enemy, installing their asset as president of the United States. Right. So right. that's actually the moment where the secrecy right. is being weaponized against us and the secrecy is the problem. And yep. I, I have my my dad, I think I've shared this, I don't know if I've shared this on narrative before, but I've shared this, that my father is a minister. And mm -hmm. so, and he ministers to, you know, for, for decades, a beautiful minister. And his he would counsel with families and anytime there was a family secret, a, a dark family secret that everybody mm -hmm. was keeping it was impossible to heal it was impossible for for the family to have any kind of bonds that could move forward and he had this saying of you break the secret or the secret breaks you that there is a point where you have to break the secret or it will break you it'll break the whole reason why you have it is actually the thing that's it's gonna it's gonna consume you that's a fantastic that's a fantastic yeah. analogy. I, I would I would say I would just say this, and it's it's not as binary as that in terms of disclose or not disclose. Because let's look at the environment over the last four years. Um, I, there's every reason to believe the FBI briefed what it had to the Senate and or House and House Intelligence Committees. Perhaps there's every reason to believe that it got briefed to the Department of Justice, the boss of the FBI. But yeah. Where did it go? Did, who, what got suppressed? Who I said know, we don't ever want to, we don't want to hear this again, um, or stop investigating that? You know, or Devin Nunes runs off to the White House with it. So, so or, yeah, or you or the president puts his own DNI guy Ratcliffe in, in a position and then suppresses everything. So telling telling the secret becomes that much harder when people are suppressing the secret.
Well, that's a really right. good point. Um, I want to play a little bit of the show from the other day, from Wednesday. Let's listen to um, them describing what really happened at that electronic store. So, I mean, every time I've, as a, as a teenager, when I first came to New York, I remember these stores were everywhere, right? I mean, there was a oh, Russian yeah. electronic store everywhere. Oh, yeah. And uh, who knew that one of them would be a front for the KGB and would actually be where Donald Trump, the future president of the United States, would get uh, recruited or at least uh, at the start of his recruitment process. So this is a clip from the other day. Uh, let's take a listen. And when he sold 200 TV sets to Donald Trump, presumably at a low, low price, uh, that effectively opened the doors of the KGB uh, to Donald Trump. And that was at least the beginning of a major part of their relationship. So you're and talking about Sam Kislin here, right? Is that, is that right? We are. We are. Yeah. Can you say the year again? The year again? Uh, well, not 1980 was when the hotel o- opened. 1980. So Donald Trump was uh, buying a 200 uh, TVs from a guy who, who owned one of these Russian electronic stores and in the Flatiron. Um, <laughs> that's, that really is how it all started? It, well, it, it's certainly part of it. I mean, this sort of opened a door and there was a lot of uh, people forget about the Cold War. There were a lot of uh, Soviet spies around. Tell us more, Yuri, about uh, about Kislin and how that all worked out with with uh, the Joy Ludd Club. I work at the time when uh, this uh, Joy, Joy Ludd Electronics was operational in New York. And these guys, they opened this electronic store and the KGB had to be sure that they're reliable, that they're not double agents, that they're not reporting to their there. For this, they had to deliver, deliver information. This is how they connected Donald Trump, and this is how they reported to the KGB in New York Station about Donald Trump. And these people, they were used for several years to gather as much information on him as possible. Later, it was analyzed, and the station came to the conclusion that it's time to put him in contact with the field, local field officer. And so, I mean, that's kind of fascinating to me. It must have been fascinating to, to you as a former counterintelligence guy at the FBI. This is, this is how it was done, right in plain sight. This, is, this may, to many of your, of your viewers and listeners, this may sound like it's out of some bad movie, but this is exactly how it happens. And so it, it's not surprising. There, there are front operations. There are co-optees and cutouts and, and New York and D.C. and San Francisco and Chicago and L.A. are filled with them. I'll add Houston and, and other cities. Um, but that's how that's how it works. It's it's in, in the hope. And these cutouts and, and fronts serve many purposes. They they're not all you know, I don't want anybody to think, my God, are you telling me a TV, you know, a tech a tech shop was opened uh, uh, to target Donald Trump? No, 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 no. It's much bigger than that. It's not it's much bigger yeah. than that. It's that it's that th- he was an opportunity that they seized because they had that place up and running. Right, and so the guy who owns it is was a Frank Kislin, right? Which is this guy. Sorry, not Frank. Sam Sam Kislin. Sam Kislin. Yeah. And so he's he's he actually is. turns out to be a, a you know really a, a wealthy guy these days. He's a very healthy looking individual. <laughs> yes, <laughs> <laughs> he's such a goober. Well, he was he's a big donor. He's a Rudy Giuliani donor. <laughs> yes, well, uh, Rudy, looks about, Rudy looks about as healthy. Uh, they go to the same doctor. 
<laughs> he, he doesn't have ran the, uh, that fake job. Op as well. Yeah. Exactly, LB. Like he ran the op for Donald Trump around Ukraine. Right. Not the one uh, the one related to the false documentation around Biden. So this is the same guy that, you know, way back in 1980 recruited um Donald Trump, but now he's he's running ops for him. Uh, you know, today. So this is not like it just ended. It continues until this day. In fact, one of his partners there uh, was Tafik Arik, who you see there on the right of Donald Trump. Uh, And he was the partner who funded the Trump Soho for Trump. So Mm -hmm. both these two guys opened that electronic store in the 1980s. And then still today, they're part of, of Donald Trump's world. Now, I know this. You know this. Why are these guys still running around? People have been asking, people who haven't read the book are asking, Frank, you were asking, why should we trust this guy? Right? He's a he's an ex-KGB. Mm-hmm. He defected. He's been in the United States for a long time. He went after he left into business with Bob Levinson, which is about as as good as it gets in terms of somebody vouching for them. Right. And the analogy that I have uh, is okay yuri didn't see this happen he wasn't at the electronics store when this was going down but once he heard about it frank as you once you heard about it you're like yeah that's how it that's how these things happen the analogy that i would draw is like when jose canseco was doing his steroids he wasn't in the room when barry bonds was doing the steroids but he looked at it he was like yeah i did the steroids and that guy looks exactly like how i looked when i did it so even though I wasn't there, yeah, that's right. So you, that's the way you have to look at it. The expertise of somebody game. like Yuri and somebody like Frank <laughs> combined, especially strongly suggest that this is the case. So that's my case for why we should believe him. And they're still in, his, they're still in the world together with him. I mean, he's still operating for the, they are still operating for him. I, I have to wonder if we're going to see some movement on this with a new administration and a new attorney general. Um, I, I, I certainly hope so. I also remind everyone there are things going on beneath the surface, sometimes deep beneath the surface. And so, yeah, I, you know, without getting into great detail, sometimes, sometimes there are things happening that we, we aren't fully aware of. And that could mean that people, people are doing things, People have changed their allegiances, have been approached. Cases are still being worked. It's um, it's quite it's quite an, a, a beneath the surface chess game that's played for counterintelligence. The problem is it's not a game when it involves, as as LB said, the highest office in the land. Mm-hmm. We did hear today that Biden and the Biden administration were beginning to contemplate sanctions, uh, Magnitsky sanctions related to Navalny. But of course, it's not just related to Navalny. It's it's related to everything Russia does. Um, and that would be yes. a big indication of, of them actually taking some action. And one of the things that uh, Yuri said at the end of the show is why there is such Ooh, is a, a reluctance yeah. to, to impose sanctions against Russia by America. That's sort of a naive stance to take that they're going to be friends with us, that sanctions must be. Uh, instituted against uh, against Russians. It's the you know you you threw up that chart just recently with all the photos on it, and you know one one would be remiss to think that this is a this was a mutually beneficial relationship. Oh, I see. Okay, so one hand washes the other. Trump uh, got recruited, yes, but you know he got a lot out of it because you know they were allowing projects and buildings, and they get no no. This is this is what he thought. 
this is what he thought, but it's not mutually dependent. They don't need him as much as he and ultimately needed them. And, and the right. proof is in the proof is in his conduct. What did we get as a nation because of his relationship with Russia? Did we see them back off of anything? No. Did we see people continue to get poisoned? <laughs> yes. Um, so, you know, any diminution in, in nukes or no. Same, same thing with North Korea, by the way. Who exactly. knows what that story is? But, you know, their bounties nuclear program. Soldiers. Bounties, paid bounties. Yeah. Paid. They know right. that it was paid. You don't pay a bounty until you've got a scalp. Mm-hmm. We've right. lost so won, men and women right. for, for this who, who, man. Yeah, who, who won in that so-called mutually you know, de- dependent relationship? Yeah. I mean, it's, yeah. it's, uh, it's kind of stunning when you think about the, the amount of ground America's lost in the last four years to, to Russia for what turns out to be a, you know, what Trump was running, according to Yuri, was a money laundering front for Russian intelligence. He went, he didn't even say it was for Russians. He said it was Russian intelligence and he was laundering for them. I mean, that was a, uh, an incredible statement. I don't know that clip here, but, you know, that's how much money has been poured into America that was stolen out of Russia and, dumped into America to be cleaned into these condos or whatever, and then and then making even more crime in America um, because of Donald Trump's operation. Well, I, I think you guys are being harsh a little bit. I, I, I think <laughs> years from now, when we look back on this era, <laughs> the only thing anyone's going to remember are the love letters between Donald Trump and Kim Jong-un. They're That's like true. the Abby Art and Eloise of the day. That's it. Sorry, bad Manhattan joke. is working for you. No, I think, I think when, you walk, when you walk into the when you walk into the lobby of the Trump uh, Presidential Museum and Library, oh god! Um, I, I, think, I think if I understand correctly, we'll be at Circus Circus in Las Vegas. Um, I think it's a, I think it's off the script a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's gonna it's gonna proudly display in the lobby those love letters. Um, <laughs> and, and maybe even a whole life size mannequin of Kim Jong Un yeah. and Trump together. They're in love. Um, they were in love. Yeah, they now have new submarines. Just they were, do they have submarines or do they have they have some new weapon so that Russia just gave them? Just as Trump. Right, let's, let's let's be clear on this. They are absolutely working on a submarine that can deliver missiles. A- yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. which only the Russians really have the capability to to teach right. them about. So there you go. Um, let's, let's also talk about, though, that Yuri did say Putin's done. Yes, and I actually got a yeah. clip for that. Should we listen to a clip? Let's listen to a clip. I've been hearing yeah. that a lot. Yeah, you're hearing that kind of across the board. Okay, here's, here's uh, Yuri on uh, on Putin. How would you tackle someone like Trump to, to, to get him off the stage for American politics? Well, I believe he has lost it. He made a mistake. And Putin in Kremlin made a mistake. Because had Trump left his position peacefully without what happened on January the 6th, he could have continued his political activity, rocking the boat in this country for four more years, extending his political base, and maybe coming back in four years as an, uh, uh, yet again as a candidate of, uh, for the presidency. But now, after he had done in, uh, in January 6th, uh, I believe his chances for a comeback 
or efficiently rocking the boat in for in favor of Russia over the next four years are pretty much limited. Therefore, his usefulness for the Kremlin is not big anymore. Besides, as I said, Putin, there is a transition in power. Putin is losing. So let me say it this way, Trump's handler in Kremlin is about to retire. So I love I love the irony of this. Is it not, is it? It's not lost on anybody. I hope Putin is now experiencing the the same thing he mm -hmm. tried to with us: so chaos and discord and internal rebellion. And he's got it visited upon him. So that's sorry. Yeah. That is true. No, that's really true. And and, and uh, everything Trump, Trump touches dies. <laughs> Isn't that the third law of something? <laughs> No, maybe maybe, Manaf maybe Manafort's consulting with Putin. I don't know. <laughs> but, you know, it may be too soon to call Putin out yet. I don't know if he's quite gone yet. And he certainly has uh, the people who, you know, around him who might be following him might be worse, says Yuri. But there's That's also a chance that Navalny could actually it do makes, something here, that, you know, that there's enough pressure. Sense. It makes sense if you're Russia to get rid of him and to blame all of the shenanigans that they pulled on him as the scapegoat in the traditional biblical sense of this is the guy that did all the bad stuff. We're getting rid of him now. Mm -hmm. Now we can reset guys, right? Everything's cool. That's what they're going to try to do. I think. Well, um, I, have to, I have to tell you this sanctions, indictments, people, a lot of people say, Hey, who, you know, what's the sense of all of the, the sanctions on oligarchs and friends of Putin? And what's the sense of indicting people you'll never get your hands on? Well, Life is miserable for, for people who can't, you know, these, these wealthy people who can't travel, intelligence officers named and shamed, um, they can't get posted anywhere else. Uh, you know, nope. it's the, if you bring pain to the people around Putin, eventually they go, I think I've had enough of this. Mm -hmm. Exactly. That's right. I, I always say never fuck with the mobligarchs money. Like, don't do it because right? yeah. they'll get in there. These guys are yeah. these are organized criminals. They they are they're connected yeah. to those crime syndicates. They're making their money off of that as much as anything that they might put forward as legitimate. And and Putin has he's he's not that great for them. And they didn't get their sanctions lifted. And now even more pain is coming to them and to their money. Um, you actually had I think it was two years ago. Mikhail Khodorkovsky, who was the one that was. Putin put in a cage way back when, yeah. right, and trotted him out because he was the wealthiest oligarch at the time, and he was trying to do stuff. And he's been, you know, in exile, and and it, he has an incredible group uh, of journalists that he's been funding to try to uh, take down Putin and his regime. He kind of picked up the work of Bob Levinson as well and Litvinenko, uh, and has been going forth that. He said two years ago in an interview with the BBC that the group the the group around Putin, the, the gangsters around him and underneath him that have been empowering him are at odds with him. And he was saying this in 2018. And if you look back at the at the Steele dossier, everyone got stuck on that P-tape, but yeah. the other intelligence in there was Alpha Group and Putin were starting to clash. There was a friction there because their money is getting choked and they're trying to make their big deals go on and they're getting sanctioned by the West. Um, so it's been a long time. It's like what what Greg is saying is it's going to look like, oh, it's Navani and he came back and it's all over now. But there's been 
machinations going on over there for a while to figure out what to do about this guy. Now that Shevitz is saying it's his own security detail that maybe not be with Putin anymore. That's a whole yeah, other level of inner circle. That's a whole other level. That's Zolotov. That's these guys that are right in there around him that have been around him sent and that were around um, who was the guy before the drunk that walked around with his underwear with Bill Clinton? Who was that guy? Who was Boris Yeltsin? Yeltsin. Uh, oh, Yeltsin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the, the guy, the, the, the drunk guy. <laughs> Great. So, security oh, services are the Praetorian Guard. The yeah. Praetorian Guard. And, and the head of all of that came out of that security detail with Yeltsin. You could see him standing on that tank yeah. in Red Square. If you go through so, the history of Rome and look at the emperors, he's done. Yeah. if you go through the history of Rome and look at the emperors and how they were deposed, nine times out of ten, it was the Praetorian Guard that killed him. Nine times out of ten. Interesting. Yay. That's it. <laughs> when the security services I mean, turn, it's curtains. That's it. You must yeah. be a very At least I'm talking about row. Yeah. You know. Um, so let me do this. I'm going to change topic for a second here because I did come across this thing today. Did you see Corey Forrester, the clip that he put out about uh, Marjorie Taylor Greene? Well, yes. Clip? You, you know, you don't, you don't want me to play this? If there's one person on earth who needs to wear a mask, it's her. But go on. <laughs> no, but it's what Corey is like, he's a comedian, but he's also, he's an activist. Yeah. And he has a lot to say yeah, about, you know, it's the first crack I've seen, or maybe I'm not paying enough attention to other media, but it certainly looks like there's a crack happening in the way people are viewing um, the, the, the GOP and, and uh, QAnon in, in parts of this country. So let's take a, let's take a listen. Okay. Aren't you ashamed? How are you not ashamed? It's one thing to like guns. It's a completely other thing to be fine with someone who harasses school shooting victims and talks about how they're, it's fake. If this is so asinine, QAnon has become synonymous with Walker County, Georgia, and I'm fucking tired of it. I've grown up here my whole life, and I was led to believe that there are decent people, and I still believe that. But until I start seeing a majority scream at this lady and talk about how she doesn't represent her, us. I don't believe it. And I'm so tired of it, man. I know I'm not the only one. I'm so fucking sick of people in the comment section saying, oh, you're a good one. You're one of the good ones, Corey. Do you know how fucking embarrassing that is? I'm talking to those of you who feel the same way as me but aren't saying anything because you don't want to upset your mom and dad, you don't want to upset your papa, you don't want to upset your friends, maybe you don't want to get fired from your job. Now it's time to use that fucking white privilege, baby. We've got it in spades. I'll say whatever the fuck I want. Fuck her, fuck QAnon, fuck the radical right, fuck all them. Well, I'm in a goddamn blue state now, and it's time we started fucking acting like it. Fuck her. It ain't all of us, goddammit. It's powerful stuff um, because I think, you know, that is the crack that is important that people inside those states, inside those community, inside those communities, those are the people who need to start speaking out. That's the way we change the story. You know, he first, he needs to come out of his shell a little more, I think. But, <laughs> He's very reticent guy. I want to say this. I, my first office in the FBI was Georgia. It, it was it was the Atlantic Division, which covers all, all the state. And of course, they took a Connecticut Yankee and, and put me in, in the Deep South. But I, I, I want to say this. The, the people, my five years there were awesome. And the people there are very 
sensitive to the fact that some people perceive parts of Georgia as backwood and and not with it. And the reality couldn't be different. They are they are not only good, decent people, but they're smart people who get it. And they, at some point, you're right. They, they the, the people, so the biggest city near in that county is Rome, is Rome, Rome Georgia. I, 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 there's a little FBI satellite office in Rome. I've been there. It's, I, it's, you know, there's a lot going on. And those people are smart, decent people who are going to figure this out. And they're going to, you know, it's a little bit old, we just talked about around Putin. They're going to go, okay, I think I've had enough of this. I, mm. I really think I've had enough of this. Oh. And they will move on. So important that that happens. Greg, what did you think of that? That was amazing. Yeah, <laughs> put it right in my veins. I, she, she has been all over. She's been all over. Tw- I almost muted her, like mm-hmm. the topic, because You're I was just sick block. of like, what do you her, mean? her face. Her face is so awful that I just I'm like, put a mask on. I don't want to look at you anymore. Um, I, I think this about Mike Flynn, too. It's not it, it's not a sexist thing. I just I don't like looking at. The face of that of ignorance. She, she's just—it's yeah. like a, it's like a visceral thing. She's so stupid. There was a video I watched this morning where she used the R word to describe people. To describe, she actually said she used the R word to describe the stupidity of politicians that were elected and put into office. And I was like, I agree with you. Wow, you know that's you, you cell phone dumbass. But I think that she. And the other one from from Colorado, Bobert, Bobert, Hubert, yeah. as they're calling her, Lauren, Lauren Bobert. Yeah, yeah. She call her Hubert. You know, I want to I want to say something about her. She's the one with the gun on the floor of the, the house, right? Yeah, and and has has the gun restaurant in Colorado. I I want to say something here. I as an FBI agent and as assistant director going into the Capitol building to brief the House or Senate Intelligence Committees or Homeland Security Committee. I had to surrender my weapon to the Capitol Police at the checkpoint because no one else is allowed to have a gun. Yet these people, these members who are slapping a member of Congress lapel pin on their suit and walking through with a gun on their hip um, and continuing to radicalize a segment of our population can can walk around strapped. And there's something really wrong with that picture. Absolutely. And I don't I don't trust it. I don't trust her. I don't try. Yeah, keep Pelosi away from her. Mm-hmm. I say, I don't. I don't know what she's going to do. She's she's nuts. She she's said nuts. in one of the yeah, videos that, that Pelosi should be killed. Right. So much of it is trolling. This I is, know, this but is now with her gun. though, I, I it, it's trolling. I'm not trying but to minimize it, it. No, 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 no. It's a content that, that, play, and it also is dangerous. And we need to be able to communicate that we understand both, because if we don't, if we don't can keep communicating in our uh, from our end of. We're not just, you know, we don't think you're just crazy and you're going to go do this. We understand that you're trying to get clicks. <laughs> we no, know no, I, I understand that, but I, I think that's also her stuff is being weaponized. I think she's nuts. I don't think she, she should be exactly. in there at all. And so, but, but I'm telling you, they get to use, and by they, I just mean even Kevin McCarthy and the, and the, 
the entire machine, propaganda machine around these folks that's connected into all the online, that's getting, that has the same semantics that go flying out of the mouth of the Fox News host. It's all very coordinated in their world. They're, they have themes, they have semantics. And one of the things that they have also, and they still have this, it came out of the 4chan, it came out of the Postabank crew, it came out of the Bannon, Roger Stone crew of, oh, they, that, that liberals just don't get it. They just don't get. Oh, they think that carrying a gun that means we're gonna we're gonna shoot them and and we'll laugh at them because really we're just trolling and they don't understand what this is. And with someone like her, I think both are going on. This is someone who rose to prominence. Um, it, it got that seat because she played. She did the content play for Instagram for that Facebook to have her little YouTube channel. It was a content play for, that she was able to get power and capital out of. But she also is a very dangerous individual. There is a point even with people who are going to, if they're just spewing all this stuff because it's something that they believe makes them the a weird version of Kim Kardashian somehow, <laughs> that yeah, you know yeah. they, they, they become the reality stars, right? And then members of Congress, that there's a point of that cosplay where I don't trust the brain either. I think mm -hmm. the brain can cross over into then if you're that disconnected from reality that that where you're engaging in a disconnect from reality for cynical purposes i believe there's a point where then we cannot trust or tell when you're going to cross over just like with everyone that showed up for the insurrection there were a lot of larpers in there but then they ended up hurting all those police officers killing two of them and storming in and you know howling from the from the uh, from the inner sanctum of the sanctuary yeah. We also don't know how much of her social media success has come from Russia or other external sources. We just don't know how much playing around with all these algorithms is going on and how these people are getting the prominence that they're getting and, and probably also a lot of money along the way. Um, Greg, you, you touched on some of this today um, on your um, uh, Prevail site, which is a must. A must oh, I've lost you again. Oh, I can't speak. For some reason, I can't talk with it. No, we can hear you. Oh, you can? No, okay. Can okay, I couldn't hear myself. Okay. So, Greg, why don't you tell us a little bit about uh, why Mr. Hawley has no face here, which I love, by the way. What a fantastic um, graphic. No, he wrote He wrote this. I, I, I didn't want to read the piece that he wrote in the New York Post that, you know, that's where all the good writing goes in the New York Post. <laughs> yes. Um, it's known for that. Um, only in the sports page. I actually read the New York Post sports page every day, but whatever. Um we won't tell anyone. He so wrote this piece. Us. It's awful. It's I had to go read it. It's so bad. It's such a, it's such a shit piece of. As a writer, that piece of writing is such garbage that the Jesuits who educated him at okay, what is it started. Rockhurst? I am trying. You know, I'm picking your yeah. Uh, should be ashamed that he would write a, 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 an argument this shitty. He's writing about cancel culture and how he's being muzzled and this and that. The, this is a newspaper that's available on the street corner, every street corner in the largest city in America. And the New York Post does not have a paywall. <laughs> Anyone around the entire earth can go read this fucking thing. Yep. And he's complaining about being muzzled. He's not being muzzled. You're on TV all he's the time. You're on Twitter all the time. So my piece was like, <laughs> you know, going back again, Frank, to the Romans, because I know a lot about the Romans for 
various reasons. I thought, I thought uh, maybe it was name that brought you to me on the Romans. Uh, no, 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 no. I, I, I'm half Italian. I'm fully half Italian. I grew up with Italians. I, I, I'm a New Jersey Italian. So when I watch The Sopranos oh. and they say the, the, the Italian word, I, I'm like, oh, wow, I know what that word means, and I haven't heard it since I was four, and oh, my God, my mind is on board. <laughs> So I, don't let my last don't let my uh, metadon last name fool you. I, I'm Italian. Is it gravy or red sauce? That's my litmus test. Is it it's gravy or red sauce? Yeah, I call it sauce. Oh, what my grandmother called it sauce. She called Nork, Nurk, and Italy, Italy. Two syllables. Okay, oh. that's what that's how she rolled. I don't know. Napoli was it? She grew up that the town they lived in. My grandmother was born in the United States, but the town her parents was literally on the side of the volcano outside of uh, uh, Naples. Naples. And it's like, yeah. maybe you should move off the side of the volcano. That's a good <laughs> idea. Because that doesn't seem like a sustainable thing. Take us back uh, to Napoli. Soma, Take us back Soma to the Napoli. That's where they were from. <laughs> anyway, uh, no, the Romans. The Romans invented Damnatio Memoriae, which means uh, when you were dead, they erased all memory of you. They got rid of your face on the coins. They, they scratched out the inscriptions. If there were statues of you, they knocked them over. So they tried to expunge the historical record of you. And of course, we've seen this in current times in, in Maoist China and in Stalinist Russia. But the Romans, that, that's cancel culture, okay? When they kill you and chop off your body and throw it in the river, and then they erase <laughs> your record from ever having existed, that's cancel culture. Having to You're go to the me. New York Post instead me. of the New York Times <laughs> is not cancel culture, <laughs> Joe Holly. Oh, well oh done. God, you guys need a show, the yeah. two of you. <laughs> that's fantastic. You're dead to me. Yes, that is indeed cancel culture. It's a great piece. Everyone should read it. But, uh, you know, I didn't realize they did that. That's, uh, we need some more serious cancel culture maybe in this country when it comes to the GOP. <laughs> well, with days. Trump, I think with Trump, we should have a cancel culture in terms of, I was thinking about this, like the stuff, remember, you know how he came in and for four years, right, anything that wasn't carved into law, he kind of took advantage of our kindness and exploited I think we should do the same thing in his post-presidency. It's not law that we do this, that, and the other. Anything that isn't by-the-book law, we should deny him out of principle in the way that he denied us. So if he wants to pay for his presidential library with the stripper pole in it, that's his prerogative. But no, no, nothing that we do that's like a courtesy should ever be extended to this man. Ever, ever, See, ever. Secret Service protection for everybody, for the family, for everybody. That's yeah. insane. Come on. Yeah, I got but you know, yeah. the minute we took yeah. him off Twitter, speaking of cancel culture, things got better. And so, you know, there is something to say about how good cancel culture can be and how effective it can be. If these guys step out of line. They shouldn't be on Twitter. They shouldn't have their megaphones. And I, you know, I love the First Amendment and certainly it makes a lot of sense when peace times and whatever, what have you, but we're not at peace right now. We're in a very chaotic period of time now. And if it means, you know, that some people don't get a megaphone to speak to the world when they're speaking about lies and inflaming violence, well, so be it. Why not? Uh, and that's just the way we need to be for now until we get ourselves back into a more central sort of safe and sane place. Part of, you know, what I've been talking about is, is a kind of de-radicalization process that needs to take place. And one of the ways you, you de-radicalize is, you exposed to sunshine, light, and truth. And it's incredibly hard to do that when you're buried in an echo chamber that amplifies only your thought. So mm. 
Um, if we need a moment to come up for air and, and open the windows and get the sun in, then then that serves a purpose. Um, you know, there's a two-edged sword. You can force people when you take platforms down. You can force people into the dark recesses of, of the internet. Many many people are migrating to encrypted uh, platforms, which yep. is a problem because law enforcement may not be able to see it. But the reality is this, the, the data so far shows there's been far less circulation of fabricated uh, conspiracy theories since sure. um, he's been down. And that's part of a de-radicalization process. Yeah, absolutely. We would do the same if we were, if, you know, if missiles were being fired at us, we'd respond. We'd take action. These are missiles being fired at us and we need to respond when they, when they are launched at us. Let's, uh, let's leave it there. What a great show, guys. Thanks so much for, for spending it uh, with us tonight. And your book, by the way, is called The FBI Way by Frank Figluzzi. And it's inside the Bureau's Code of Excellence. People should buy this thing. I haven't read it. I'm sorry. I apologize. I just found out today you were coming on. But it's, uh, I will read it next. What should people expect when they read it? So, look, it's, here's the deal in a, in a real quick nutshell. The FBI operates at an incredibly high level of excellence when the stress is the highest, when, it, when the stakes are the highest, and it matters the most. I spent 25 years in the organization. I, I watched for four years the bureau that I love get bashed by the prior administration. And I'm here to say, you don't need to spend 25 years in the Bureau to learn how the Bureau protects what matters most, its core values. I've distilled it down to what I call the seven C's. They apply to your life, your community, your corporation, and even now your country, protecting what matters most while you lead with excellence. That's the book in a nutshell. Sounds great. Oh my God, an FBI self-help book. I love it. That's I'm exactly what it is. That's very, very smart. I'll yeah. read an FBI counterintelligence director's yeah. self-help book. I'm in. Barnes and Noble Barnes and Noble needs to take it out of the business section and put it in self-help. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> we all need it. Um, all right. Yeah, Thanks very do. much, everybody. Oh God, you, you guys have been great. Yeah. And we'll see you again. Frank, soon. Thanks so much, Frank. It's a pleasure to be on with you. I hope we didn't embarrass you too much. I, 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 it, it's been great, really. It's, it's so great for me personally to have someone who actually knows stuff come on here and say things that we've been saying. I can't tell you how much I feel like validated by having you come on and, and reinforcing the, the the things that we've said it, it really it means a lot to me and thank you it, it was a, thank thank you for having me it was a fun discussion and anytime guys have have a great weekend and uh enjoy the written house rye <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> a good way to end it. all right good night everybody good night narrative is funded by viewers like you support our independent journalism at patreon.com forward slash narrative <laughs>